Folks, so here we are. It's time now for the General Knowledge Podcast, Season 4, Episode 20. Uh, joined, of course, as always, by the compatriots of mine, Ethan Nash from TOTT News and Andy Soames. Ethan, how are you, my friend? Good to see you again. Good to see you, mate. I'm um, looking forward to today's episode. Um, mm. Obviously, a very topical uh, subject to talk about. And, you know, I've been a fan of this bloke's work for many years, so I'm looking forward to a great chat today. Yeah, awesome. That's good. Uh, I didn't Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> We're usually doing it Sunday night, but uh, our guest is joining us from overseas, and we'll get into that shortly. Um, I don't want to spoil it too much, but uh, yeah, I, I, we had to. It's one of those things when you got an international guest, and we've got to mess with the time zones a little bit here, of course. But uh, it is what it is. Uh, Andy, thanks for joining us, mate. Welcome aboard for the show. Welcome, General. Yeah, yeah. Um, beautiful Sunday morning here in Brisbane. So, um, yeah, it is actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, looking forward to uh, chatting, uh, chatting with our guest, and uh, getting getting into this. It's um, a very topical thing that's getting around. Yeah, big time. <clears throat> and we, we've kind of we kind of touched on it on the last. Well, I guess it's probably almost been the theme really for this for this season. You could say. I mean, I know of course the COVID nonsense was of course the major theme, but sort of hiding in the background where we've talked about other subjects, you know, we, we have touched on things like weather modification and chemtrails and, you know, this bizarre weather patterns we've seen. And, you know, we've talked about, um, you know, uh, the whole Clara thing with, with um, you know, creating what we suspect, creating fires and creating floods and all that sort of stuff. So, of course, they've done that through weather modification. So it really has been a background theme to this season, wouldn't you say, uh, boys? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, good. So it's good. I think we're going to round it out too, Andy, because you know we've got um, our guest on today, which I'm, I'm going to try and convince him to come back and do a, a part two. I think because I think there's a lot of content worth talking about with this um, with this with this guest. He's got so much stuff to cover. I don't think we're, we can only do an hour today, boys. So I do apologise for that. Um, I've got to get off at ten thirty eight, regardless of of when our guest joins us. I've got to be off, unfortunately. But so I'll convince him to come back for a, definitely a part two to keep going over some of this stuff. Uh, but we've also got. Um, coming up at the end of the month, we've got um, Elena Freeland uh, coming on the show to talk about geoengineering and 5G and, and the transhumanist kind of connection there as well. So man, we're really going whole hog with this and going down this avenue. So it's going to be a good way to round out the season, I think, with a uh, big focus on this for all the listeners. Uh, 
Does that sound like it's something yeah. right up your alley there, uh, lads? <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's it's good. It's good to sort of um, yeah, I, I love it, man. Um, it's good to sort of get out of the whole um, uh, COVID thing, um, and oh, uh, totally. yeah, we we can um, move on and upwards beyond it. Um, I mean, I know there's a lot of a lot of meat on that bone of the COVID nonsense. Of course, we could talk about it every show, but it, I mean, yeah. it kind of gets to me. It gets a bit boring. I mean, I, I was when I did the solo one, I kind of touched on it a few times, of course, in the in the last show, but um yeah it just gets it does my hitting because everyone's talking about it too and there's there are a lot more things to go over you know um yeah i hope so i hope you guys are keen for this one ethan yeah absolutely mate um weather modification even before covid you know we've been talking about it with the bushfires and we've been speaking about it for many years on our website the role of australia and hopefully our guest you know, comes on to tell us a little bit more about some of the things he's learned. I've got some mm. questions for him. Um, but we've it's been a major topic and it still hasn't stopped raining. So I've I've recently just done a follow-up video to my Feast of Famine mass floods in Australia's high-speed rail video. Should hopefully mm. be out today. Um, awesome. But it hasn't stopped raining and they're predicting it's going to continue to rain. We're going to have more unprecedented weather and the regions... I call them Australia's flood refugees. They're really uh, impacted at the moment. They are really still not able to get rental relief and all of this type of stuff. And the rain bomb Mm. went to Sydney. They're predicting six months more of rain. It's raining today, whereas I'm recording this right now in my area, little sprinkles. It was raining yesterday. So this this is a topic that, even though it's in the background, it's right in front of our face, mate. So we we definitely need to address this because more and more people are starting to ask questions. Why are these unprecedented weather events happening? And if they are real, like say someone believes that this is happening all legitimately, they're now asking questions as to why is the government intentionally not assisting us? And this has come out in the flood inquiry since this has happened, Mm -hmm. that the government's response was utterly inadequate for the New South Wales region. So people are starting to ask questions. And once you break that paradigm and and they realise that potentially some people might not want to stay in those areas anymore, um, they're starting to look at the bigger bigger picture. And the bigger picture has questions to do with this type of technique that we've mastered for seven decades in this country, General. This is not a new thing. Mm-hmm. Our first experiments were in the 1940s here in Australia, right after the birth of laboratories, geoengineering and cloud seeding begun. So um, this is a topic that they've mastered and it's the elephant in the room. It's just sitting there while mm. they do all of this climate hysteria and tell us that it's because climate change and we need to give up everything to stop this happening. Yeah, yeah. It really does seem to piggyback on the back of, you know, like this this COVID distraction, isn't it? You know, this is just, you're right, it's just this big elephant sitting in the room. Of course, there's a lot of elephants in the room at the moment with all the all the deaths and people not talking about the unjab not dying and all that sort of stuff. But this this weather modification, this geoengineering, this whatever you want to call it, um, I mean, our guest has a few funny names for it as well, which I've heard on some previous shows. So I can't wait for him to unleash those on us. But um, yeah, they're just sitting there as well. You know what I mean? And it's uh, if you don't pay attention to it, it just gets even more and more. They get bigger and bigger. These big elephants, you know. Um, so there's a lot of stuff to go over, mate. Yeah, for sure. I feel like we're uh, in Australia Zoo or Taronga Zoo, mate. Just so many elephants everywhere in the room. <laughs> 
Do we get feeding tours? I mean, <laughs> we're the only ones that can see them. I mean, come on. I mean, the elephants never forget. They never forget too. Isn't that the saying? Elephants never forget. Well, well, we don't forget either, man. We know they're there. We're not forgetting. We're trying to bring that bring that to the to the forefront of the discussion so people can realise that this is really serious. This is something that's really going on. And you know, when they start fucking with the weather like this for their own little plans and stuff, and you know, I mean, but they're messing with the food bowls. You know, like they're messing with our our food production. Not just the fact that they're like in the states and even here that they're, they're burning grain mills and food production places all that's happening as well but when you talk about the the actual weather side of it and you know disrupting rain patterns and you know moving moving which which apparently also affects of course the water table underneath because if you're not getting the rainfall up top it doesn't soak in under the ground and the groundwater doesn't seem to replenish as well so you know when they're boring all this water to you know to power things like uh, or to to feed things like fracking um, you know, areas and stuff. You know, they, the amount of water that they go through is just ridiculous. Um, and they're sucking all that from the ground as well. So they're, they're harvesting all this water. And that's happening right here in Queensland too. You know, they have those fracking um, areas out in Western Queensland and stuff. Um, yeah, so I mean, like, all that messes with... It has it has a domino effect, is what I'm trying to say. You know, it, it fucks with our, um, with our food bowl areas. You know, they don't get the water that they would normally get and all that sort of stuff. So... Um, and a lot of this, it's not, it's not unintentional. It is intentional. That's what we're trying to, we're trying to let everyone know that this is part of a plan. This is part of a bigger plan. We're going to hopefully get to that. If you don't get to that in this episode, uh, we'll definitely cover it on the next, hopefully part two with our guest. Um, but this is definitely part of a plan, um, especially with our, um, Elena Freeland as well. She's definitely going to go over there. I think she's with her book that she put out, um, she's quite happy that she's kind of made the connection um, between things like weather modification, geoengineering, 5G, transhumanism. So I can't wait to, to uncover that one and do that show with um, with Elena as well. That should be fun. Mm. That's it, mate. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. There is a domino effect. It, it does. Everything plays onto each other. And we see that because we're, we're already entering what is going to be a cooler time in history regardless of what the global warming skeptics say the natural cycles this whole grand solar minimum thing that yeah, everyone's talking cycles. about yeah yeah we're going into a cooler period of history where it's going to be harder already to grow crops to do all of this stuff there's a reason why people don't inhabit the arctic region much because you can't grow crops in the arctic region like animals can't even survive up towards the North Pole because it's so cold for vegetation and stuff. So once the rest of the world starts to get cooler, it's already going to be harder. Now you add in geoengineering and you add in enhancing the cycles and ensuring that it continues to rain, it continues to flood. This has a domino effect. It's it's almost intensifying what was already going to be a rough period for us to get by in terms of natural cycles now enhanced, raining all year just constant wet weather patterns and it has a domino effect they the the murray murray darling basin um that just is a massive water reserve they because that has so much water in it they were letting some out just a couple of weeks ago and it's killed thousands of cattle on wow. farmers property because of all the water going through all of the farmland because there's that much water so this absolutely does affect our food supplies, our food chains. Like mm. it's hard to grow vegetables. It's hard to grow any crops when everything's underwater. So this is 
all connected, but a lot of people, because of such a strong um, climate hysteria narrative, can't really break that paradigm to see the larger connections. But it's right in your face once you just take a look at the evidence and just see that. And it's not that these people are just creating rain out of nowhere like a wizard, like the clouds just appear. (laughs) They understand the cycles and they're ensuring that these cycles stay irregular, stay inconsistent, stay constant, the same way when they cause droughts. They ensure that everything stays away from the land as well. So, you know, it, it isn't really rocket science. We've posted on the website about actual geoengineering employees in the United States showing mainstream media how it's done, CNN money, all of these mainstream media outlets from the sky, on the ground. They go to the top of mountains now and let out all of their chemicals. Yeah, is this happening? I heard that too. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And now the the future of geoengineering, they're saying, is going to be nanotechnology. So they're trying to explore nanotechnology and nanoparticles and how this can help the rain. And China has admittedly the largest weather modification program in oh, the world. I'm gonna yeah. Let me like tell you what. Let me just switch to. Um, because you don't need the volume for this, but let me just switch over to uh, screen share here quickly and check this out, this little video out, fellas. Uh, let me know when you got my screen. Yep. Okay. All right. I'll just make this a little bigger. Go back, go back. There we go. China is investing $168 million to control the weather. China is trying to create rain with a technology called cloud seeding. This is from the World Economic Forum. This is a recent video too, folks. The technology works by sprinkling clouds with dry ice and silver iodide. Oh, that sounds so magical. Uh, this helps increase rain or snow. Uh, China creates around 55 billion tons of artificial rain every year. Isn't that lovely? In 2012, China announced plans to boost this by a further 280 billion tonnes. However, some scientists are still unsure whether cloud seeding works. (laughs) And there are further doubts over whether it could work on such a large scale. Oh, my God. Look, there's such propaganda coming out of this thing. Uh, despite this, China's weather modification department employs 35,000 people across the country. They have a weather <laughs> modification department in their government. Oh, far out. There uh, we go. That's the end of that video there. Crazy. I love that. Hey? I love that. They're just like, scientists are unsure if it works, but we employ 35,000 employees. In our weather <laughs> modification department, mind you. Yeah, exactly. Oh, imagine, wow. so that's imagine having a product and you you've just started a business and you're like, yeah, I don't know if it works, but I I employ thirty five thousand people. <laughs> oh, what? Isn't that what um, isn't that what um, Pfizer and Moderna and uh, <laughs> isn't that what they do? <laughs> True, touche, touche. Uh, yeah, so that was it. That was from Twitter. China is investing one hundred sixty eight million dollars to control the weather. Source: World Economic Forum. There you go. Make it sound so lovely too. Just sprinkling things in the air. Oh, oh, it's all magical and mystical. Oh, yeah, fire. and they create they create rainfall in all of their northern regions and and stuff like that, where it's very cold conditions and everything. Like it, it's been admitted, it's they've expanded it. You know, I believe in twenty nineteen is the last time they expanded it. 
So these programs are real. They're admitted. They run here in yeah. Australia. There's legislation here in Australia, um, but it's not discussed. It's not. Uh, it well, it was in 2016 when they had to do a hydro Tasmania had to appear before a coronial inquiry in regards to their cloud seeding two days before the 2016 Tasmanian floods. Mm, so that's right. that was the last time they did speak about it. And what was it talking about? The causation of mass flooding in the area. Yep. So and they did it in Queensland. I can see too, why remember? they don't want to talk about it anymore. Remember, remember Ethan, there was before we had those, the 20, um, 2011? Shit, when was the last floods we had here in Brisbane? Yeah, 2011, I think, yeah. It was, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, and um, yeah, they were doing cloud seeding right before then too, you know? Right before all those, um, the dams got all too full. Oh, we better let the better let the water out. Shit, it's getting too full now. Yeah, because you've been fucking cloud seeding and making it rain, you idiots, for fuck's sake. Oh, my God. They keep meddling with shit, man. Like, it's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah trying yeah. to play yeah. God, mate. And that's that's why they, we see such erratic weather patterns. Yeah. Then they wonder why, oh, oh, we wonder why we're flooding and stuff. But, I mean, shit, it's all intentional anyway. But they just play the dumb card, don't they? Oh, we weren't, we didn't know I was going to do this. Or, oh, they just don't talk about it at all. But, I mean, China, I mean, that's why I showed that video of China, too, because, like, you mentioned it. But, um, yeah, they've got... They've got like the most dams in the world in their country, and they just they dam up all these areas to try and you know save this water and stuff because, and they've they've prevented their natural rivers and things and and all that sort of stuff from flowing properly and things because they keep putting all these dams in, and then they wonder why they've got no water in all these areas. So they have to then do these weather modification and cloud seeding projects to try and make it rain in those areas. <laughs> you know, fucking idiots, man! Like. <laughs> stop fucking with it. Just stop messing with it, for fuck's sake. Oh, it drives me crazy. You know, wanting to c control everything. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Well, and it is a it is a network. Um, like, seeing as we're a little bit into the show, um, once our guest comes on, he has on mm -hmm. his climate viewer maps, he actually talks about how Australia is part of the Five Eyes Stone Ghost Surveillance Network and how there's five sites here in Australia that are a part of it. Obviously, Pine Gap is one of them, but Jorn. how these are, yeah, John, um, mm. and he's got a fantastic article um, talking about, or newspaper clippings on his website, talking about Project Storm Fury and some of the US-Australian collaborations that we've done in the past. So it's not that this is just externally over in China and some of these unregulated countries, the West were the innovators of this mm. technology. They were the ones that started this. They were the ones that tested this. Some of our CSIRO scientists, there's a newspaper clipping from 1951 in the Sydney Morning Herald. They went over to the United States to talk about different cloud seeding techniques where you inject warm water into clouds over um, silver iodine crystals. So they were talking about this in the 50s. You know, mm. Only people even listening to this were alive in the 50s or, you know, probably not many. So it's like... This has been around for longer than we've been alive. Yeah. And so, the only things that were in the media talking about it were, like you've mentioned here, like just just the odd news clipping or something, you know, that's where they've kind of mentioned something or, you know, there's it's not like now where everyone's talking about it and it's on websites and we can go and look at all this sort of stuff. You know, back then it was like, oh, you might be lucky enough to see an article in, in a paper somewhere talking about what they're doing, you know, because people are wondering – you know, why are they shooting cannons up into the sky? And why, why is what's this plane flying over doing stuff? We don't get planes flying over here. You know, why, why are we being crop dusted? You know, like <laughs> that's uh, it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what was um, 
If I take a look, just give me two secs. One yeah, of the newspaper right. clippings. I'm from, on there now too. Look um, at which which time? Uh, on the main article. Oh, which are you on your website yeah, or? Yeah, I'm just oh, okay. having a look through my website. Yeah, um, Adelaide in 1954. Well, no, actually, the 9th of December 1948. There was an article: plane vapor trails above Adelaide, Ooh, and everyone go. talking about was it a media or a flying saucer? Phone callers choked the lines to the weather bureau for about an hour, and many of the calls came from the country. So they didn't know what was going on in 1948. All of these what we know now as chemtrails, these mm -hmm. vapour trails flying high above the city in 1948 and everyone being so confused and shocked at this, you know, like, I mean, imagine that. You just mm -hmm. look up and for the first time you see all of this uh, chemtrailing for the first time. Like, it already feels not natural when you look at it today. And oh. so to look at it back then, fascinating. All right. Hey, Jim, how are you? Can you hear us? Got your microphone on. We've, our guest has just joined, if you're watching the, the video, folks, for the members. Jim, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, man. Thanks thanks for getting on, brother. How are you? Oh, my God, what a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. Traffic is the worst. <laughs> I know, and it's my fault, man. I had to reschedule the show, and I'm... I'm a bit of a pain in the ass like that. Sorry, man. I, life gets in the way. Like, my son's got a goddamn football game I've got to take him to. So I've got to be off here, like, no later than 10.30 my time, which is, like, you know, uh, another 45 minutes time. So just, um, just, be, I was gonna say, just before we get into it, though, would you be happy, because obviously we're not going to cover everything in 45 minutes, would you be happy to maybe do a part two in, like, a, a month's time or something to come back on the show and continue Glad, to Gladly. Gladly. Yeah, beautiful. Awesome. All right. Well, um, Jim, I'll introduce you to uh, my, my two uh, co-hosts. I've got Ethan Nash. He's from TOTTnews.com here in Australia as well. Awesome site. And Andy Soames. He's, he works uh, basically with me as well for, for Real News Australia uh, and, and the show as well. Andy, say good day to our guest. Evening. Evening, hey, Jim. Up, hey, Andy. Hey, man. Uh, well, thanks for getting on, man. I, I really appreciate it. I mean, I know you struggled. You said you're... <laughs> Caught in traffic, uh, mate, shit happens, eh? It's all good. But we were just sort of chin-wagging in the meantime, waiting for you to get on. So we've covered a few things, uh, just sort of briefly chatting about some weather modification. Um, I just recently shared a video from the World Economic Forum talking about how they, China wants to spend $168 million more million to control the weather. Um, but what, before we get right into that sort of stuff, mate, let's um, introduce yourself for the, for the, for the listeners. Um, we, we didn't really do too much. We sort of mentioned your websites, but that was about it. I kind of wanted to, um, for yourself to, to have a chat and tell us who is uh, James Lee, or we call you Jim Lee. Yeah, um, I'm just a guy, man. Um, Sumter, <laughs> South Carolina, USA. I uh, run my mouth too much. I learned a little too much on the internet and um, got in a fight with a Google Earth forum mod over my weather modification map. Um, they moved it to the tinfoil hat section, and that started a 14-year-long um, I'm-going-to-prove-you-wrong mission, um, which has <laughs> kind of gotten out of hand. But um, long story short, I, I, I'm an archivist. I study 
uh, weather modification, geoengineering, space weather modification like HARP, um, sounding rockets, satellites. Um, and then I have a side habit of talking about pollution, privacy, and propaganda, um, whether it be electromagnetic or nuclear radiation, directed energy weapons, propaganda, slave speak. Um, I, I, I'm into a lot of things, uh, but my my area of expertise, obviously, that I focus most on is uh, people controlling the weather. Or I like to call them the climate changers. Mm. Um, don't talk to me about climate change if you don't know about the climate changers. Yeah, awesome. And that's that's kind of what we wanted to get into as well. I kind of I like trying to name names. You know what I mean? Because yes, we all know the climate changes. My God, it's it's just that's what the climate does. It changes all the time. But there are people changing the climate as well. Uh, and we like to kind of point that out. We, 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 we don't do enough of it. You know what I mean? It's, it's been happening for so long. And the reason why I kind of wanted to, to get you on the show as well, because, I mean, Ethan has done a lot of work on this as well at TOTT News. We talk about weather modification. We've talked about it for a long time. And it's been happening here in Australia for a long time as well since, Ethan, what is it, the 40s? Um, it's been happening? Yeah, the late late 40s. Yeah. That's what we've been able to determine anyway. I mean, I think Ethan's mm, actually started. Earlier than, earlier than that. Oh, but, okay. Yeah. Here we go. And this is what I wanted to get into. I want. I mean, we want to know what the what the dirt is. What you've been able to uncover, I guess, in terms of uh, Australia's role in 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 perhaps some of these programs. Um, you know what we've been doing here, and how, how far back it kind of goes. Well, if you really get into the the history of things, there you could really divide it into two major sections. There's Everything prior to 1946 is known as the age of pluviculture. Um, and this is a term coined by James Roger Fleming. He's a, a weather modification historian, personal hero. Uh, wrote a great book, Fixing the Sky, the Checkered History of Weather and Climate Control. Don't get any money for that. Just buy the book. It's awesome. Um, and the pluviculture age, they literally tried everything from floating balloons with um, X-ray um, emitters on them to electrifying sand to uh, concussive methods uh, such as like hail cannons, fog cannons, rockets, mortars, just blowing up artillery. Um, turns out that carbon black dust, which is emitted from, uh, you know, everything from rockets to muskets um, at the Battle of Antietam in our Civil War um, here in America, um, all the gunfire actually made it rain on the bloodied fields. Wow. Um, so th there's a long history of this, but everything prior to 1946 is generally termed the pluviculture age, because in 1946, cloud seeding was invented by Vincent Schaefer, Irving Langmire, and Bernard Vonnegut at the General Electric Labs. Um, and then less than 11 months later, they used this cloud seeding or the idea of putting particles into the sky that attract water and then make rain fall. Mm -hmm. um, 11 months later, they did Project Cirrus and tried to steer a hurricane. Uh, well, Let's be clear, it was a tropical depression, which then, after they seeded it, turned into a hurricane, changed colors, changed directions, slammed into the state of Georgia, doing $3.2 million worth of damage and killing two people. And so, when was this? Sorry, what year was that? Th that was uh, October 1947 and oh, November, yes. of, November of 1946, cloud seeding was invented. 
And in less than 11 months, they were already, they being GE, the scientists, plus the U.S. Army um, Air Corps at the time. Um, yeah, they were all just, you know, let's go out and steer a hurricane. That's a great idea. Um so, so was it's this kinda, developed militarily, Gene? Was this was that the the motivation behind this to say, well, we've just finished World War Two, maybe we could have used some of this technology. Would it have been great to make it, you know, hail or, or snow more in the Russia or whatever? Was this well, was this a military decision? I would say that it, you know it, it's it's part and parcel with you know just everything about technocracy if you're familiar yeah. with the oh, the, yeah. techno, the idea of technocrats is you know to control every single um resource on the planet whether it be yeah. you know vegetable human energy. water yeah. energy you know they want to control it all no matter what um so that's the inevitability of this um and and now you know it's it's a multi-trillion dollar business uh, worldwide. There are private mm -hmm. companies engaged in this. Um, I did closely follow the kerfuffle down under um, regarding the <laughs> my, uh, biblical floods and uh, the cloud seeding projects oh, yeah. um, going on down there. Um, and it's interesting because you have, on the one hand, it's clearly obvious that, you know, weather modification projects have been going on in Australia for a very long time. And then on the other hand, you've got every mainstream media outlet trying to deny the, the obvious facts um, that this had anything to do with that. And, and the real um, takeaway you should have from this is that they can't prove whether they made it rain or they didn't. They can't prove how much they made it rain. This is still the number one problem plaguing cloud seeding today, and it's a question of efficacy. Mm. In, in the scientific world, efficacy basically equals can you produce a result that can be repeated by other scientists? Is mm. it scientifically legitimate? And the answer pretty clearly is no. It, it's not. And there's there's no way to prove beyond a shadow of doubt whether you made it rain one inch or you caused a biblical flood. So they have this plausible deniability mm. that's always going to be the case, whether it's military, whether it's commercial. Um, and you see that playing out with the Australian floods. Um, mm -hmm. Companies clearly, you know, making money off of the government. Um, usually, like here in America, um, say we have a dam or a reservoir and it starts running low. Well, there's usually a, you know, a municipal utility district or something like that um, that's in, in charge of, you know, people paying their water bill. Let's let's put it that way. Yeah. So when they pay their water bill, um, it's in their interest, the people who collect the taxes, to make sure there's actually water to tax people on and charge. Um, so they take that money and then they go and they pay cloud seeders to fill the reservoir back up whenever it gets low. An example is uh, Sacramento, um, California, the Sacramento Municipal Utility District had a contract for $996,000 um, to make it rain in an area where the dam had just broken, they still hadn't repaired it. And, uh, you know, of course, 
everybody in the neighborhood was pretty upset about the fact that this dam at any moment could break again and kill a whole bunch of people. Meanwhile, the people they pay their water bill to, uh, they're all, um, you know, going, okay, well, screw it. Let's just go ahead and make it rain. You know, we'll deal with it afterwards. <laughs> and that, and that's the way it's always been. Um, cause it's, is it because they're like, well, it might work. It might not work, or we don't know how much it'll work. And like, they just, sitting there tweaking the nipples of, of mother nature going, well, let's see what we can make this baby do. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's like, it's like going up to a dude and then saying, you know, if I squeeze on his nipples hard enough, maybe I can get some baby's milk out. It's probably not <laughs> likely, but you know, baby, baby hungry. Um, so at the end, <laughs> I mean, really at the end of the day, that's the case, you know, they, they have to have the water. Um, at least here in the Western United States, they're always strapped for water. Um, yeah. they do, yeah, why they've is got, that? it's just a, you know, supply and demand kind of thing. Um, and especially with, you know, our fracking wells and all that, which most, oh, most people don't realize, yeah. yeah, fracking wells use millions, if not billions of gallons of water. Um, Per well, so, too, isn't it? Like, yeah, like, per well, yes. Yeah. They're million, millions of gallons per well. And on on one of my other websites, uh, Climate Viewer Maps, it's climateviewer.org, um, I attempted to just, you know, map out all of the, you know, fracking wells. Well, I realized that I would need a small supercomputer to do that, and putting that on a website would be next wow. impossible. So 857,000 um, wells later... I realized uh, we're in a bit of a problem here. Um, so and you probably look at the map and go, "I've done this little tiny square." <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, well it, it's really interesting because if you look at the map, what you see is on the west coast. Here's the U.S. drought monitor. Big red areas of drought. Okay, here's the red area of drought. Oh wait, there's also you know hundreds of thousands of fracking wells there. Right there. And yeah. there's also ground-based cloud seeding generators all along the mountains there. So it's just, it's this vampiric cycle of yeah. thirst. Um, you know, they're never going to have enough. They're always going to, you know, resort to whatever they possibly can try. Um, because if they don't, There'll be hell to pay at the ballot box or, you know, people will be rioting in the street because they can't flush their freaking toilet or wash their car. Um, so well, I mate, don't that's really... what they were doing here. That was that's do you remember that, boys, Andy and uh, Ethan? They were, that was some of the restrictions. We have all these harsh restrictions put on. Not right now, but in because uh, the last two years we've had a phenomenal amount of water here in Australia. But prior to that, it was, you know, since sort of 2011 onwards, we had all these droughts, you know, it was drought, 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 you know, there's no water yep. and level five, level six restrictions, you know, you can have, you can shower once, you know, once every two days and don't wash your car and all, yep. it was all these crazy things, you know. Yeah, but they, it was the like. exact same thing in California right now. Um, mm -hmm. Governor uh, Gavin Newsom, you know, saying, hey, you know, you're restricted from actually, you know, watering your lawn. Mm -hmm. um, they, they were literally now and this is as crazy as it gets um, saying that it's already almost impossible to drill a water well in California. It's close to like two hundred thousand dollars to get the well and go through the permitting process, which is almost impossible as it is. And wouldn't you know it, these crazy climatards um, decided, well, what about if we taxed people by the gallon 
on the wells they own. Far out. I mean, that's how insane this wow. goes. So, wow. well, I, I mean, Colonel David Kaczynski, retired a U.S. Air Force guy, um, steered a river into the Texas atmospheric river. Side story. He said, um, water will be to the next century what oil was to the last. Yeah, liquid gold, man. Yeah, the blue gold rush. Um, mm-hmm. And that's really where that's really where we're at. Um, the demand is skyrocketing. Um, the supply is dwindling. And we have a lot of what, what are called dry towns um, popping up all across America where their aquifers are completely drained. And, um, you know, they're, they're literally having to import bottled water into these cities because they don't have any water left under them. And then you think about um, the sinkholes. Uh, like you, there was a really famous one. It was, I think it was down in South America where it was like opened up in the middle of town. It looked yeah, like a hole, a hole to hell. The city sort of, yeah. Now imagine if you will, some of these aquifers are the size of cities. They're like yeah. underground cities. I mean, I'm, I was big into Dungeons and Dragons. So imagine like a dwarven city underneath your feet. And then suddenly it's just completely emptied. I, you know, I, I dream about it, kind of nightmarish, hellish dream, but um, an entire city just falling into the ground. Mm. Now, the kickback to that is this whole, well, there's primary water. Have you, you've heard about primary water? You ever heard about this stuff? Is that the underground aquifers <laughs> that seem to refill? Is that what you're talking about? It, it's basically the same people that, you know, kind of espouse the idea that there is no such thing as a limit on fossil fuel. It's not fossils that make the fuel. And right. I don't want to get in. I don't really want to have that debate. You know, it's, it doesn't really interest me. Um, but the, at, at the end of the day, there are a bunch of people making the argument that there's an infinite amount of underground fresh water. Now, the problem is that A, is neither fresh and it's probably not infinite. Um, it, case after case where I have studied um, entire towns that are, have their aquifer poisoned. Um, in my hometown, we have Shara Force Base, and they use this chemical for putting out planes that are on fire, this foam. And basically, turns out, this foam, when it hits the ground, goes into the aquifers and can be found as far as 20 miles away from the base. And there are just numerous cases of lawsuits that are piling up. And Everywhere I look, every time I look, it just gets worse. Um, you know, aquifer poisoned, aquifer emptied, and y- you start thinking about movies like Mad Max, you know, um, and uh, just it be- it becomes a reality that we really could be in a water war in the future. Well, how how do you know we're not now? Well, if you actually look at China. They are in a water war with India. There's actually been gunfire over water between China and India. Wow. So is it, how serious is this problem? It's pretty damn serious when people are... All right, I'm going to tie this into directed energy weapons. They literally were frying Indian... Um, that's not feathers. Um, Indian soldiers at the border of China because... Uh, basically, they were damming up um, the rivers that were flowing into India, the Chinese were. And the soldiers came out and tried to put a stop to it. Plus, there was all this poison that was coming out of the water. 
um, which China dumped into it. And then China deployed a handheld microwave um, directed energy weapon, which set Indian soldiers' clothes on fire and burnt them from head to toe over water. So is this wow. weather modification stuff serious? I would say yes. Um, <laughs> Just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> it, it's getting, it's getting kind of hot in here. And um, well, We were talking well, about that before, Jim, that this weather modification is – like there's there's the the COVID nonsense that's kind of the elephant in the room, and then there's this even bigger elephant that's sitting there behind everything, and it's this climate change, weather modification, geoengineering, yeah. fucking huge mammoth of an elephant sitting there above everything else, going, this is what's really going on behind that. You know what I mean? Everything else yeah. seems to be a bit of a distraction. Well, I mean, if you really get to the heart of global warming, which they don't want to call it that anymore. I mean, they'd rather call it climate change because, shit, the climate is always going to change, right? Um, so that way they're not wrong. Yeah, I mean, how could we be wrong? You know, it will change. Well, it changed a lot here in America in the 1930s, and it was called the Dust Bowl. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with um, the Dust Bowl. The depression and stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, well, basically, we – in America, they had, uh, you know, basically tried to open up the West and say, hey, look, if you can go out there and you can make the land farmable, uh, you can have the land. Um, so a lot of people did that. The problem is that they were so busy cutting down trees um, that they st there was massive soil erosion as a result of the increased winds mm -hmm. to the point where. Our climate changed so much that the Midwest of America went from a breadbasket plains to a fucking desert with yeah. sandstorms yeah. miles high. Now, that is climate change. We can all agree it was man-made. It had zero to do with CO2. Mm -hmm. Now, the problem is people don't ask themselves, well, what did they do? to solve climate change in America in the 1930s. They planted 220 million trees. And it was called the Great Plains Shelter Belt. Guess what's going on today? They're cutting, They're down. cutting down the trees. <laughs> because these climatards thought it would be a good idea to not use oil in boats or planes and instead grow biofuels. Mm. So now... You have biofuels in jets, biofuels for contrail control, and then you have the international shipping um, um, tankers, which are using this stuff called VLSFO or Frankenstein fuel or very low sulfur fuel oil. Instead of using bunker fuel, which was heavy fuel oil, which made these huge ship tracks, which are basically chemtrails on steroids. Oh, I wanted um, to get into that, too. But, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get into it now, actually, if you want to. We've got about 20 minutes to get into it, so let's get into it now, yeah. So these are these are basically what you see over your house times yep. 100. Yep, because right. they can be 5, 20 miles wide and several thousand miles long from a single ship. Um so, of course, their solution is, well, let's grow some gasoline. Well, the problem is we already have enough water demand as it is. We probably should be growing food there, especially now that Ukraine can't make any food. And apparently everybody's food prices are going through the roof. Well, guess who's buying up all the farmland? Bill Gates. And he's growing gasoline. Um, <laughs> he's growing 
growing fuel oil? Is he a bio oil? <laughs> I mean, it's it, the insanity of it all. I mean, I literally, I was out in the country in my neighborhood and it said, warning, this, uh, this crop is not for human consumption. I was like, what is it like feed or some shit? And it turns out they were actually growing AIDS vaccines in the corn. Um, <laughs> you can't make, you cannot make this shit up. Um, so at the end of the day, the, the water consumption is only going to go up when they decide, hey, well, you know, we got to have this war on, you know, fossil fuels. We need to grow biofuels. Um, oh, by the way, that's what caused the Dust Bowl was massive agriculture. Um, it's like they either they are completely ignorant and they don't learn from the past mistakes or they're completely aware of the past mistakes and what it'll cause and it's problem, reaction, solution. Well, let's create the problem by cutting down all the freaking trees. Let's, you know, let them frack the hell out of everything. But say we're trying to save the Arctic, but you know what? Methane's coming out of the Arctic. So we probably should go up to the Arctic and frack the Arctic to get the methane out of the ground before it gets into the air. Um, that's brilliant. Why don't we call it the, the angels proposal, the Arctic natural gas extraction, liquefaction and sales oh, program. Wow. So oh, you guys love an acronym over there. I tell you what, oh, you, guys, man. you guys are the king of acronyms in America. They, they come up with some <laughs> damn doozies. So yeah, the, these angels are up there near harp. Um, <laughs> angels frat, in the hops. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're fracking the hell out of Alaska right all along the North Slope in the Arctic that they claim they want to save um, because of what's called the clathrate gun hypothesis. And this is um, the, the simple version of it is they went up to the Arctic. They dug out an ice core. They went back to the time of the dinosaurs and they said, well, if you look right um, about halfway through, uh, this is the Pleistocene. This is uh, the Holocene. Okay. Well, right here is dinosaurs. There's a lot of CO2. That's dinosaur farts. <laughs> and right after it is a bunch of methane. So let me get this straight. Methane is stored underground in frozen things. They're called clathrates. And because the clathrates melted, they vented into the atmosphere. Um, we're going to call that uh, runaway global warming. So dinosaur farts melted underground methane, which then vented into the sky, which killed the dinosaurs. And I'm going, <laughs> I, thought a, I thought a fucking comet killed the dinosaurs. <laughs> but this is really where the ideology gets its base. Oh. It's called the clathrate gun hypothesis. And the clathrate is the frozen methane. And the gun is like a gun that goes off in the atmosphere and kills us all. Runaway global warming that's going to kill us all in five years. I mean, 10 years. I mean, the year after that. And then yeah, the year yeah. after that. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah. all based in bullshit. We should all Junk be dead science. right now, according to all the Time Magazine headlines that we've been seeing over the over the decades. You know, we're, what, we should, we're, all, dead, to, we're all dead now. <laughs> yeah. What happened to acid rain? I mean, I thought or the what about the ozone oh. layer? Oh, that was that was the other one. Uh, I mean, get it together, people. Let, like, let me pick your brain here, Jim. Go, yeah. Um, ask away. So you would you would have heard of. Um, a gentleman by the name of David Keith, right? I'm sure he's a, you're a big fan of his, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, 
We've got we 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 got an email chain going. <laughs> I'm not joking. Oh, I believe you. <laughs> I'd love he to, knows I'd love me. To be watching that one. CC me in on those ones. Um, no, so I remember seeing a, a clip where David Keith was on some sort of uh, late night talk show or something, right? And he's up there and he's saying, "What we're going to do is we're going to do solar radiation management, and we're going to dump." thousands and or millions of, of tons or liters of sulfuric acid into the atmosphere. And that's going to, you know, help reflect sunlight and cool the planet and blah, blah, blah. And the host is going like, what? what? You're going to what? Sulfuric acid? Like, are you, are you serious? Like, and Dave was like, yeah, because, but don't worry because industry already pumps out, you know, X amount a year. So it's okay. If they're doing it, you know, we're, we're going to, we're do not it adding too, you know, much. Like, yeah. I've seen you know, the clip you're talking about, but I'm like, Sulfuric, like really? So we pump sulfuric acid, some, something highly corrosive, into the atmosphere, and then you know what? It's going to be okay for us. We're going to breathe. Like what? This is the sort of shit that these guys come up with. You know what I mean? Like, stop fucking with the planet like this. Well, he also admits that his idea, in his own words, and you could you can see his own words at climateviewer.com/geoengineering. Just type it in climateviewer.com slash geoengineering and you'll and I've got it even time stamped to the so you don't have to skip the first two and a half hours of bullshit they have going on to exactly the moment where he says, I admit that, you know, the idea that we're talking about will kill many tens of thousands of people. I don't sweep <laughs> that does. under the rug. Yeah, he says um, that. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, he says, well, it's it's obviously we hope that we would save more lives, you know, from global warming and catastrophic the clathrate gun hypothesis, the dinosaur fart thing, mm -hmm. um, you know, that we would save more lives as a result of doing this. But sulfur is just one of their ideas. They want to they've also, um, you know, Paul Crutzen was a Nobel Prize winner. Um, he came up with the idea of, you know, using like aluminums. He talked about sulfur initially. Um, this was followed up by uh, Dr. Evil Lowell Wood from Lawrence Livermore National Lab, who said, well, let's use aluminum instead, and then did a whole bunch of tests on that um, at the International Planetary Emergency Conference. That's a thing. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's just, I, I'm sitting there. The, the funny thing about it, though, is um, there's another geoengineer who I'm really, he's really starting to grow on me. His name is Alan <laughs> Robach. And he said, well, you know, um, I'm at this conference and, you know, these guys are all sitting around talking about controlling the temperature of the planet. And I had to think to myself, it's like, you know, it's like 95 fucking degrees in this building. We can't even control the temperature of the room we're meeting in. <laughs> and we're talking about controlling the temperature of the planet. So I mean, true. the amount of hubris that you have to mm. have to, to have this kind of thinking um, is, is it's pretty insane. Sorry, can I, yeah, I say, because I've only got about 15 minutes. Uh, for this particular episode, we'll we'll fly through a few more topics and things on the on the next show. But I wanted to because this is a big thing that we we kind of need to cover here. A lot of listeners ask, a lot of readers of our websites ask about this all the time. It comes up on our social media about chemtrails. There's lots of fights about it. I wanted to pick your brain about chemtrails and and get people to get you to tell the audience what are chemtrails. You know, is there a conspiracy about chemtrails? Who's behind it? Who benefits from chemtrails? Are they real? Is there a military program? All this sort of stuff. Tell it, give it, let's, let's hear it, man. Okay. So this is a pretty controversial topic. Um, it is, but it is. 
I, I take two. I take two stances on this. Okay, so I, I, I'm a fence rider, and you, you're just gonna have to suck it on that one. Um, <laughs> this is just it's just plain and simple. Because at the end of the day, um, nobody can prove their case either way. That's that's the truth of this matter. Um, it's unfortunate, but guess what? Um, you know, we could talk till we're blue in the face about previous experiments that the military's done. Um, 1958, uh, Florence Van um, Stratton was a U.S. Navy uh, chick who decided she was going to dump carbon black dust out of the back of planes and that she could create and destroy clouds on a whim. All right. Um, I have FOIA documents from uh, the United States Air Force um, at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and uh, the U.S. United States Navy at China Lake in California, both of which say, let's use carbon black dust to make clouds. And then they say, why? So if you're looking for the smoking gun on chemtrails, it's on weathermodificationhistory.com. Click on artificial clouds on the timeline and all the documents are there. But they make the claim, Dr. Arnold J. Barnes in particular makes the claim that um, basically we want to be able to make clouds to block out spy satellites in space and increase night the um, favorability for nighttime operations. So the general idea being, if we go into say Iraq, like America did when they went for Saddam Hussein, the Iraqi Republican Guard doesn't have night vision goggles. So it's beneficial to us um, to then create clouds and block out the moonlight. And if it's under Freedom of Information Act request also on the sidebar there under the tags FOIA, um, I believe. or um, But it's certainly in, if you go to artificial um, clouds, that's the entire section. It's, it's on the sidebar um, towards the bottom. But the, the entire artificial clouds um, section is... The entire history of, you know, all of this starting back, you know, back before anybody said there was a such thing as a chemtrail. There were chemtrails. Um, you know, the one I love the most is basically the Air Force telling the city of Palm Springs that if they don't like the trails, they're going to have to move the city of Palm Springs or just <laughs> get, or get the fuck over it. Wow. Um, so if that if that's not just uh, proof positive that, you know, this has been around a while, um, it's not just some new thing. Um, but, you know, like I say, it's a complicated issue because there are many, many factors in this. Um, it, are they using fuel additives to help with this serious cloud creation that they're, that they're doing? Is that something? In my opinion, as far as the military is involved, yes. As far as the the commercial aviation is, they, I spoke with the head of the Federal Aviation Administration, which is basically the, the governmental body that regulates all flights in America, um, their Aviation Climate Change Research Initiative. And what he said was, we want clouds by day and none by night. That is the official position of the Federal Aviation Administration. And wow. the reason why is because the clouds that are created by all these planes, they happen to um, trap heat. 
So during the day, yeah, it's cooler when you stand under a cloud that, you know, creates a shadow. Uh, but, and right there, it's that uh, 9-11 kind of proved that. It was what's called diurnal temperature range. So after 9-11, they grounded all the flights and they realized, oh, shit, it got colder at night than it normally does. <laughs> the clear because stars, there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because there were clear skies. Mm-hmm. So whenever you, and, and anybody can notice this in your own hometown. Oh, yeah, we've noticed Yeah, if you have um, very cloudy nights, it's going to be warmer than, yep. it's just, I mean, it's a blanket. It's the Venus effect, if you will. That's right, yeah. Um, blanket over Earth, yeah. Yeah, so people don't really want to see it that black and white. They don't want to, you know, they would, they'd rather speculate about the boogeyman and all this sort of stuff. And I say, yeah, the military's involved, and they say that they say why they're involved. Um, block out spy satellite optics, make nighttime operations more easy. They have their reasons. Um, but there's also this thing kind of getting in their way, and it's called the Environmental Modification Convention, because after uh, Vietnam. Basically, they said weather warfare is illegal. So even though all, every major military in the world, the, the People's Liberation Army in China, um, the Russians, the Americans, obviously, I'm pretty sure, you know, the um, you know, people in UK and Britain, they all are involved in this sort of thing. And there's nothing that's going to change that, um, at least that I could see anytime soon. Mm. But at the same time, they don't want to get caught. So they can't be blatant about it. But who's going to notice a couple of clouds? And clouds don't normally kill people. Now, clouds blocking out the moon and making it to where your night vision goggles work really good kills people. Uh, but indir- <laughs> in, indirectly. So yeah. it's not a big deal. So like I said, with civil aviation, um, they're doing everything they can to hide from their own monster let's put it that way because at the end of the day carbon taxes and all of that sort of stuff is going to end the entire airline industry if they can't get out from under this whole problem of um wait uh the clouds we're making have more of an effect on the climate than all the co2 put out since the beginning of flight so that's a big problem for the airline industry and, you know, in their um, the ICAO is the International Civil Aviation Organization. <clears throat> they had a colloquium on climate change in 2010 where Ulrich Schumann, another guy, if you want to know a whole mo- lot more about this topic, go um, read stuff by Ulrich Schumann. He said that we need to have less warming, more cooling contrails predictable for operational planning. And then he went on to write a program called COSIP, the Contrail Serious Prediction Tool. And he's now worked that into Euro Control, which controls all the flights that are over Europe. In America, it's called the Next Gen Transportation System. We have what's called the Aviation Environmental Design Toolkit. Um, creepy. Um, and that's why people see grids in the sky, because at the end of the day, All of these flights are controlled by supercomputers that basically flight goes by, wind goes, flight goes by, wind goes, 
flight goes by, the flight's in the same place every single time. The sky yeah. is a river. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's why you're seeing these grid patterns because they are they're at a point now where they're using these programs to design, make designer chemtrails, okay, that hopefully dissipate at nighttime. If they can't get them to dissipate at nighttime, they're even talking about cirrus cloud seeding or cirrus cloud thinning to melt them away at nighttime. Far out. And if you look up right now, um, Germany's DLR, which is like America's NASA, um, they're actually working with Ulrich Schumann, who works for them, um, to do what they call climate-optimized routing of flights, where they avoid ice-supersaturated regions if they're going to create contrail cirrus that's going to heat the planet up by diverting flights either over or under them. Um, it, it's it's such a complicated topic. I've done um, nine one over nine hour long videos to cover this uh, this topic, and wow. you can find it on my YouTube channel, Climate Viewer on YouTube, and it's called I go by the hashtag Cirrus Clouds Matter. Okay. Like C I R R U S. I love um, your sense of humor, man. Fucking yeah, sense. because at the end of the day, you know, serious clouds matter. Seriously, um, <laughs> because there's there, there's cold, a lot of bu- there's a lot of bullshit out there. And at the end yeah, of the day, yeah. people are talking about aluminum and barium and all, strontium yeah, and all that. Yeah. Guess what? Yeah, it's in the fu- it's in the fucking jet fuel. It's been in the fucking jet fuel forever. The only problem is um, whenever NATO switched from gasoline to kerosene when they went from i think it was jp5 to jp8 calcium went from 5000 parts per billion to 32000 parts per billion okay so they in the, the in the in the jet fuel aluminum went from like uh uh i've got the charts and everything it's like 2000 to like 8000 um barium went up strontium went up basically it's dirtier fuel Heavy fuel oil, like bunker fuel that's in the international shipping um, tankers, that's the dirtiest fuel. So it's going to have more metals that are pulled out of the earth. Makes sense. Um, So long story short, um, from 1988 to 1996, the military of the globe, NATO, decided to change to one fuel for the battlefield in which they switched to this dirty fuel, which then suddenly in 1997, the word chemtrail was used for the first time. And the first article on the internet, because I can dig that deep, the very first article ever written with the word chemtrail in it was written about JP-8 jet fuel. And the fact that it was causing coking on the engines, it produces 10 times the carbon black dust. You're going to hear that term a lot when we talk again. Um, It produces way more soot, carbon black dust. That soot is loaded with metals. Those metals make clouds. And Germany's DLR flew up into those chemtrails. And guess what they found? 75% of the cloud seeds in those cirrus clouds are man-made metals. So at the end of the day, everything you're talking about 
can be proven beyond a shadow of a doubt, has been proven beyond a shadow of a doubt. Military admits it right out in public. Guess what? Did Freedom of Information Act requests. The problem is people being able to go, all right, is that Southwest or Delta Airlines trying to kill me or give me more gallons? And that's where the silliness comes in. Because at the end of the day, They'll never be regulated. There'd never be accountability as long as people are continuing to push forward these narratives that there's already a secret government program using every single flight on the planet, which may be true when all you need are the facts. The facts are the shit can kill you. You shouldn't breathe it. It's what goes up, comes down, generally speaking. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that that's all you need to operate on. Yeah, and that's, um, that's what I'm interested in, too. And I think Ethan and Andy are probably the same, too. Like we hear enough of the, the speculation. We hear plenty of the, the hypothesis and the, you know, the, the, the conspiracy theories about what's happening, what's in this. Is it like you mentioned, the whole gallons thing and stuff? And I'm not going to discount any of it. I'm just saying I just want to deal with the facts and what we really know, what we can prove. Uh, and that's why I, I, I kind of wanted you to get on to talk about this sort of stuff, because there's so much not necessarily disinformation, maybe just misinformation that's out there circulating around. And we got to clear that shit up, man. You know, as much as possible, so we can focus on things better. I, I, I'll leave. I'll leave the people who believe that with with a nugget. Okay, um, our military in the United States had something called Agent Green, F Oxysporum. It's a freaking fungus. All right, there's fungus among us, and they're spraying it on the cocaine plants in Colombia in South America. So they start spraying this fungus, which kills the cocaine plants. This is a secret government program to spray chemtrails in Colombia in South America. F. oxysporum then migrated all the way up through Mexico into Texas, ended up in the corn in Texas, ended up in the beef in the cows in Texas, and ended up and uh, affecting humans in Texas. Now, this is a secret government program that happened in the 90s. Wow. So I'm not saying that that's not the case. Our military, our U.S. Army Chemical Corps sprayed zinc, cadmium, sulfide from coast to coast in the 50s. The problem is they were trying to simulate nuclear bombs, and they did hurt a lot of people, but we didn't find out as a public for 60 fucking years. Mm. Well, so Jim, are you going to are you going to wait that long or are you going to act on what you know, what you can yeah, prove? Exactly, mm. exactly. Be pragmatic. Oh, so many good points, man, and I mean we we just about hit that time frame now, so we might just I think that's a really good teaser point to kind of leave everyone on uh, right now and we'll pick that up that conversation up um, when you return on the show. Uh, probably in about four weeks' time, hopefully. Or maybe we might get you back on to, to, to round off the season, actually, for our last one. We usually do about 24 in a season. Um, we This is number 20 now, so we've got about four more shows to squeeze in before then. But I think we might get you back on for that last one and uh, really blow some minds with more of this conversation. It's really interesting stuff. And I mentioned before, we kind of that's kind of been the, the underground, the, the underlying theme with, with this particular season. We've talked about weather modification a, a lot. I mean, in terms of Australia here, Ethan, we, we've we've mentioned the the whole smart city um, conspiracy, which is not really a conspiracy, but you know it's really a fact because there's a consolidated land and rail Australia is responsible for you know creating smart cities along the east coast, and the way they've you, done you, that is they've purchased all the land via all, with all the flooded out and burnt out areas. You know they've just bought these for pennies on the dollar. 
I'll give you a homework assignment. Why don't you look up marine cloud brightening off the Great Barrier Reef? Let me write that down. Marine cloud brightening. Um, Because basically there is several organizations operating a geoengineering project over the Great Barrier Reef to spray sea salt into the clouds to whiten them and nobody knows about it around here i doubt anybody even knows about it in australia but you literally have an active geoengineering program going on off the coast for the last three years well awesome well thanks that's some good homework to look into hey ethan yeah absolutely it's been a fantastic episode i sort of kept quiet in this one because we're strapped for time but you know, just fascinating things to learn about um, Jim and, and some of the things he knows. And hopefully in the next episode, we can get into yeah. like for your story as well, Jim, about like yeah, the task you went through in terms of proving these people wrong, so to speak, because I'm fascinated. I don't think sort of my pieces on Australian weather manipulation would have been as powerful without sort of finding your website a few years ago with a lot of newspaper clippings and everything that you did the hard work to find. So Hopefully, you know, we can get into how you went through all of this, how you built this um, amazing archive and all of this information. But from the stuff you've learned, it's been fascinating Mm. um, learning things here today. I wasn't aware of, you know, the pre-chemtrails geoengineering era before the late 40s and, you know, some of these, this program that you're speaking about at the Great Barrier Reef. I think, you know, some of the things that you've learned along the way could definitely help us and help Australia. So I, I appreciate you coming on today, mate. Yeah. Well, th- this 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 problem doesn't care about your borders. It doesn't care about your political beliefs, your religion. This is a worldwide problem. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that, you know, the more that we can share information, I, I constantly find new things. I constantly get requests. Can you find out about the Netherlands? And I'm like, I don't speak the language. I can't do everything. <laughs> like you're gonna have to like translate this and send it to me. Um, so there, there are bound, you know, pr- boundaries I can't leap yeah. over. But I mean, we're all in this together. So I yeah. mean, yeah. I, and and I just want to real quick before we leave the wet the specifically the newspapers on weathermodificationhistory.com were made by my partner. Um, 842, I believe, newspaper articles handcrafted in Adobe Photoshop and Illustrator by pulling the newspaper article apart and sticking it into a single image by my friend in Canada, Dominic Marama. Best bud. Unreal. Yeah, I met him. He actually had weather modification history on Facebook. And I said, we got to make that a website, bro. And I made the website and the timeline and got all of his images together Mm -hmm. and put them in that newspaper on vault. So between me and Dom, um, we have the world's largest no opinions at all, just facts and references website. Um, And that doesn't even include my blog and my maps. So it's, no, it's, a, it's we didn't even we amazing. didn't even get into climateviewer.org yeah. and all of these maps that you've spoken about. I wanted to, you know, sort of pick your brain about um, the interactive, you know, the Stone Ghost Surveillance Network and the Five Eyes Alliance. So we oh, didn't even get into, to get that into that whole it. It's going to be good. Yeah, well, this so. was a, a nice, good, just so the appetite kind of episode. Yeah, we've got a, we've got a whole heap to go over in the next one. I'm so looking forward to it already. It's going to be good. We'll do a lot more time. 
Uh, we'll set a lot more time aside for because um, the footy season's finished. This is my last day of having to do that shit this year. So <laughs> we'll have all the time in the world on a weekend. Uh, <laughs> well, let's make it a long one. I'm down for it, dude. You bring yeah, you bring the questions, and I'll, I'll try to knock them out of the park. Yeah, well, I've already got a few here which we didn't even cover. I've got listed here, so um, yeah, I've been writing them down all week and stuff. So I'll be able to come and think of something. Oh, I've got to, got to ask Jim that. I've got to ask Jim that. Uh, but yeah, it's good. In, uh, we'll all prepare a whole bunch of shit and we'll just start throwing them at you, man. Because, um, like I said, this was a good sort of wedding of the appetite, a good introduction to yourself for our listeners and uh, and the work that you do. So I hope everyone listening out there can head over to weathermodificationhistory.com. Also check out climateviewer.org. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff to go through over there. It's really cool. It's like high quality stuff, guys. This isn't just, you know, someone having a crack at it. This Jim knows what he's doing, man. This is fantastic stuff. And I really hope everyone can I appreciate have it, a look guys. at it before we do the next show. Uh, all the listeners out there. So that way you're sort of prepared for it. And let me put it out there. I'll, I'll do it on the socials as well. If anyone wants any, uh, to ask Jim any questions, you guys can just submit them. Um, join me over a telegram or email them to me, whatever it is. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll throw them up there for Jim to, um, to answer as well. So I'll put that out there for the listeners. Jim, thanks again, man. It was really good to talk to you all the way down there in, uh, South Carolina. Um, and your, your climate there is probably pretty close to ours in Queensland. I think we've got the very similar kind of, uh, weather, nice yeah. and warm and humid kind of in the summer and a little bit cool in the winter and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's 100, very similar. 100% humidity almost all summer long. Yeah. And then most of the winter too. I mean, I was wearing shorts in, uh, at Christmas time in the middle, you know, when winter's about to begin. So very yeah. moderate, beautiful place. Garden of Eden, dude. Yeah, it's um, awesome. But if I was ever going to go to the States, to the I'd, general. I'd love to. <laughs> hey, we've got see General Lee. you got uh, Jim Lee and uh, that's right. General Lee. Yeah, that's isn't it? Dukes of Hazard or something, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, my, 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 I'm actually related to General Robert E. Lee. And before him, <laughs> William Lighthorse Harry Lee. And before him, Richard Henry Lee, who signed the Declaration of Independence. So I have a history wow. of people who wag their fingers in the air. Yeah, on one man. side and <laughs> on the other side, um, we're full-blown uh, Pawnee, Choctaw, Indian related to Tecumseh, who also gave a finger to the man as well. Oh, so, so it's good. just it's in the blood, I guess. Yeah, bro. That's awesome. That's fantastic. <laughs> it's great to see. I love it. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to meet you, man. Thanks for getting on. I know you were hard-pressed to get here on time. And I appreciate every effort you made it to uh, to fight that traffic and get on for this conversation, I, man. I outrun a cop to get here, man. Oh, good work. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'll, I'll just finish the recording there, so just give me two extra seconds.
Is it what you don't know?